Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Uh, obviously, reviewing match day 19 of the Bundesliga. Uh, another good weekend of action and plenty to talk about. Uh, before we dive in, Mark, you're right over there in Germany, still uh, kind of being nailed down by the Bavarian state government. Yeah, still no football to attend, unfortunately, live anyway. I mean, obviously, you can watch a lot of Bundesliga, yeah, but we, we don't have a lockdown. But yeah, I mean, the, the rules are kind of getting stricter and stricter. But yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting watching some football. I know we've had a lot of requests as well that people want me to do some vlogs and things of the game, which I'd, I'd love to do. But obviously, it's been well over a year, going on two years since we could properly go to football games over here now. So yeah, just looking forward to hopefully getting back into it before too long. Good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, a bit of a bad weekend for both of our teams, actually, from a German perspective. Yeah. Unfortunately, Nuremberg <laughs> suffering at, um, suffering yeah. the sight of Bundesliga and, and my boys not having a great yeah. weekend. But anyway, uh, before we get too distracted with such tales of woe, uh, of course, yeah. um, we're going to crack on with the show in a second. Um, we are indeed in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes this season. Me and Mark for the second week in a row, actually, are both sporting yeah. our Tasmania numbers actually so you know very fetchingly uh the home and away strip uh which is one of the many shirts that you can end up with if you get yourself a Bundesliga box they are mystery authentic German t-shirts so go check them out on uh, on Twitter or find them on uh, online and you'll get yourself a brilliant uh, a brilliant batch and actually stay tuned because we will be doing another giveaway with Bundesliga boxes very, very soon. So obviously keep your eyes peeled on Twitter and we'll probably drop uh, an announcement of that onto YouTube as well if you don't have Twitter so you don't miss out um, and have another chance to win some brilliant products. Um, and of course, if you do like the video and like our content, please do drop us a you know a thumbs up, let us know how we're getting on, um, You know, comment on, on the video with your opinions and thoughts about what we're talking about. Um, whether it's to do with any of the games and maybe something to do with the talking points as well. And join us live. If you're over on Twitter, come, come over and, and, you know, join us live on YouTube and we can, you know, get interactive with all of you. And, of course, please do subscribe. Really wanting to push on to the, the Magic 400 number. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might not be much for some people, but or every little helps for us and we really want to push on the channel this season. Um so, without further delay, Mark, over to you for some uh, scores on the doors. Yeah, so as you can see at the bottom of your screens, yes, let me take off that. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, we started on Friday night with, yeah, Dortmund managed to put the pressure on, didn't they, with a really impressive 5-1 win over, like, admittedly injury-stricken Freiburg, which we'll talk a bit more about later. Yeah, Wolfsburg and Hertha didn't do themselves any favours by playing out a pretty drab nil-nil. Yeah, Union boosting their European hopes with a 2-1 win over Champions League rivals uh, Hoffenheim. Yeah, RB Leipzig got their first away win of the season in Stuttgart, who now drop into the, the bottom two, unfortunately, for Rory and his boys. <laughs> yeah, Mainz continue their strong home form with a 1-0 win over Bochum. 
Then, yeah, FC Bayern Munich, the lead leaders, got an impressive 4-0 win in Cologne. Leverkusen, the late kickoff on Saturday evening, got a good, very good 2-1 win over yeah. Bayern's previous conquerors, Gladbach. Then moving on to Sunday, we ended with two entertaining draws, I would say, between Augsburg and Frankfurt, which finished one all. And then the, the battle of the bottom two, well, it was at the time, it isn't at the moment, but yeah, ended in a two-all draw between Bielefeld and Greuther Furt. So, yeah, another entertaining weekend, wasn't it, indeed? As always, really, in the Bundesliga. We seem to say that every week, but like pretty much no weekend disappoints, really, at this level of football, does it? So, yeah, but we're going to go straight on to the featured four, which is obviously the, the four games that we consider to be the best. Again, it's always hard to pick the top four, really, because there's always so many, usually at least five, six, seven entertaining games that we could go into more detail. But, yeah, we have picked our four for the week. So, yeah. Starting off in, in fourth place, yeah, it was that entertaining game on uh, the Saturday evening. We, I think we predicted this one to be probably more goals than what there actually were. But, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would say it was in terms of entertainment, it was a game of two halves, really. I would say the first half was pretty lacklustre, which surprised a few because, to be honest, I'd given a lot of people tips, betting tips, to stick on the over, over goals in this one, you know. Yeah. Uh, I told a lot of people over 2.5, over 3.5, over 4.5, and even over 5.5, because I was that confident. But, yeah. I mean, if you look at the XGs, obviously, it finished uh, Leverkusen incredibly got 6.2 XGs, which is obviously expected goals for those of you that don't know, which for me, I think is in all the time they've been doing that stat, which has been, what, three or four years now, I think it's the highest I've ever seen. That over six yeah. goals, XGs, you know. Although I've got to mention that that is, it does differ depending on the calculator. According to the Bundesliga website, it was only 5.2. But according to the DAZN statistics, which show a lot of the Bundesliga games over here in Germany, it was 6.2. So, yeah, I mean, whatever it was, it was a high number. But obviously, yeah, Leverkusen managed to get the win, didn't they? Despite having the, the depleted defence, really, it was an impressive performance from Leverkusen, backing up a decent point last week at home to Union Berlin. Obviously, for Gladbach, disappointing after that famous win in uh, Munich last week. Uh, for me, they were very much second best, especially in the second half. You know, the first half, I think they did okay. I think Breland Bolo did well fighting to win the ball quite early on in the game. And I think it was Florian Neuhaus who smashed yeah. a shot. Well, I would say it was pretty much straight at Herdatsky, but it was still a decent save from him with his right mm -hmm. arm. Yeah, I think Diaby also, the, the super fast Diaby, almost got in beyond Sommer, but Sommer, who actually had a brilliant match in this game, like one of the unbelievable performances really in net, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But yeah, great performance from Sommer, but yeah, Obviously, in the second half, Rory, the, the game turned against the home side a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree. As You know, the game of two halves. First half was pretty quiet. Gladbach, you know, were playing quite deep and just trying to counter on, you know, counter on the break and, and use Mbolo's strength and pace to try and create problems, which he did to, you know, a degree which, you know, didn't get much of the ball. So he did his best um, that he could do. Then second half, um Obviously, it all turned on, on the quite soft penalty, really, wasn't it? And yeah. a bit of a, a nightmare start for um, the debutants uh, signed from Union Berlin, yeah. I believe. It was um, Ma Marvin Friedrich. Friedrich, yeah. Friedrich, yeah. Um, so he gave away a penalty uh, to which Patrick Schick stepped up and it was brilliantly saved by Sommer. 
which led to a corner, and uh, which unfortunately the resulting corner led to a goal. Andrick stealing in um, right basically in the middle of the goal to, to volley home from close range. So good delivery, but poor defending, really. After you say the penalty, you need to be really switched on, of course. You thought you would, you'd be able to defend that set piece. So I was disappointed from a Gladbach point of view. Um, and yeah, I, it was very much mostly dominated by Leverkusen 2 0. Uh, you thought it would be game over when Patrick Schick was a, a judge to be the one who scored, kind of bundling in a good free kick um, with about 15 minutes to go. The result then looked in doubt because Elvedi managed to uh, bundle in uh, a goal from a corner. So that's 2-1 with a few minutes left, about seven or eight minutes left. And then um, you thought the game would be wrapped up uh, as Florian Wirtz this time was fouled in the penalty area leading to yet another one. And they changed penalty takers, which is always a weird one when you get two penalties in one game, particularly if you missed the first one. So they they decided to change Patrick Schick. Oddly, not confident enough to take another one considering the amount of goals he scored. I know missing a penalty does, you know, hit a player's confidence, but would have thought he would have gone again. Um, Demir by went the other way in Sommer and Sommer <laughs> saved again. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Sommer, very unlucky to be on the losing side. He was outstanding and showing his class. Um, so that was a bit of a shame for them that they weren't able to, to pick up the same kind of motivation or, or form that they, they had last last week. Leverkusen, very much though, the dominant team. I uh, thought they definitely deserved the win, but maybe they'll have to uh, practice a little bit on pens this week in training to make sure that they don't miss any more opportunities. Because, of course, that could have cost them two points, three points, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, which ended up being a really important one because as a result of their win, they now jumped all the way back up into third in our very, very tightly congested uh, kind of third to ninth place in the in the league team. Yeah, I think this was a game that kind of summed up Leverkusen for me in many ways because they, they were absolutely brilliant at points. You know, I mean, for me, Leverkusen are one of the great footballing teams of the Bundesliga. I mean, to watch them, you can't take your eyes off the games when Leverkusen are playing. Like, they're so fast going forward and they've got so many skillful players, you know, Diaby, Schick, um, Wirtz, who was he was kind of coming back into his best form, I think, now after he kind of faded off towards the end of 2021. But he's been good the last two weeks. But they're never comfortable in games, are they? Like the game management is just kind of non-existent, really, for Leverkusen. Yeah. This has been a problem for a number of years now, really. I mean, obviously, the Peter Boss days, kind of, it was the same. And nowadays, under Sione, it's the same, really. You know, it's you just think, you know, this is a side that could really push for like even titles, really. But just that game management isn't there, is it? And you saw it again. Obviously, they did get the win here, but as Rory said, missing two penalties, giving away a very scrappy goal, really, to Elvedi, which should have been dealt with a lot better from the corner, yeah. really. In a game where Gladbach really probably didn't do that much to deserve a goal in the game. But, yeah, obviously still a great win for Leverkusen, don't get me wrong, but they, if they want to improve, it's just got to be that game management, you know, and... I think they have made some good signs, obviously, last summer. Andrich, also from Union Berlin. Ironically, yeah, Union probably sold the two best players from last season. You know, Andrich to uh, yeah. Leverkusen and then Friedrich to um, Gladbach, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, both of those two were on show today. But, yeah, I think good signing for Gladbach in Friedrich. But, yeah, they, they've just got to... 
think with Gladbach, they've just got to learn how to kind of dominate games a bit more. They're not getting enough possession in some games and they're like trying to play on the break, but that's not really what you'd expect from a Gladbach side, really. You know? mm-hmm. Especially against the better teams, not so much against some of the bottom half sides, you know, but against the better teams, they don't seem to get enough possession in games and they seem to get overrun a little bit in midfield this season, which is surprising somewhat because they've got quality players in there but yeah you know good win for Leverkusen and for Gladbach I guess it's back to the drawing board you know they've got to come back again next week and try and get back to winning ways but yeah moving on to game three I mean this was a game I think I tipped Cologne to win this game didn't I, I was so confident for them before it but I should have known better you know whenever Bayern Munich lose a game of football they always smash the opponent that they play next, don't they? Let's be honest. And it was no difference in this game in Cologne. But, I mean, yeah, early on, I guess in some ways they did get a few refereeing decisions that went their way or a few kind of like tight ones. I mean, the first yeah. goal came after nine minutes, didn't it? And it, it was actually uh, Muller who played a really nice ball into uh, Lewandowski and he finished, but he looked way offside to me. Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought there's no way this can be onside, you know. But obviously it went to the VAR and the referee decided it was onside and the goal was given. So that was already 1-0. Then, you know, I think uh, Cologne, were, they were pressing very well from the front, obviously led from the by the brilliant Baumgart. You know, he was shouting like crazy. You could... You could hear because obviously there were barely any fans in the stadium mm. due to COVID restrictions. You could hear Baumgart really, really shouting at his players and how much he gets into them and pushes them to kind of press from the front, you know. And they did create a half chance, which forced a good save from Neuer from the Modest header. I think he was just about offside in the end, but it was still a good move. But then, yeah, for me, probably the man of the match in the game, actually, I thought uh, Tolizo was absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, brilliant performance from him. He doesn't always turn up, does he? But this was one of his better games, for sure. And he blasted an absolutely brilliant strike uh, into the top corner, really, from the edge of the area to make it 2-0 from another Muller assist, actually. The assist king, yet again, banging another couple of assists in. Then I think, yeah, again, in the first half, it looked as though Cologne had got back into it, didn't it, through Mark Oot. And again, it's just one of those, isn't it? Bayern have the decision that just goes their way, but Cologne, unfortunately, they, they were correct decisions, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm not claiming for a minute that they weren't, but it's millimetres in it, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's millimetres, it goes from being 2 nil to what could have been one all if it was the other way around, you know? But yeah, I think second half, Rory, I think Bayern just cruised through it, really, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I, I think you quite rightly point out two key points or, or you know, um, periods of time in the game. Obviously, the, the early goal for Lewandowski goes for them and, and the central goal back for, for Mark Hoot is, you know, it's millimetres in it, as you, write, as you say, in the tight VAR calls. But, yeah, by, by the definition of the laws that, we work to or that the you know Bundesliga work to they were right and often that when you're at the top of the league and you're used to winning it so it just somehow always goes for you doesn't it it's just the way of things um so yeah if it goes back to 2-1 different game I reckon um and you know it gives the home side a bit of impetus to to really push on in the second half but 2-0 down a half time is always going to be hard work for them and credit to them that you know they came out and they were brave again. Um, I think uh, Duda had a half decent chance, um, and I think the keeper again, um, Schwabe, 
who is still in for um, Timo Horn, uh, is, is doing a good job despite conceding four goals. Uh, Ketar Lewandowski on a good few occasions stopped him on uh, on a one-on-one chance. Um, so, you know, Colm did their best, but they were ultimately just outclassed, really. And um, you know, when you've got people like, you know, Leroy Sane to bring off the bench uh, as they're, uh, as Bayern obviously, you know, kind of half recovered from this uh, COVID outbreak. Obviously, Tolisso was back, as you mentioned, Mark, probably man the match. Neuer was back in net. Um, so big players to bring back into a squad. Uh, and Sane set up Lewandowski for a couple of uh, kind of carbon copy goals for, for three and four um, for him to score. What was it his 300th uh, now yeah. Bundesliga goal? Uh, Bayern have now scored in a record 66 games in a row. Uh, in the Bundesliga, which is also a record, I think. So yeah, they're showing no signs of slowing down. Um, they're you know they're posting a, a harsh pace at, at, at the top of the league, which is you know nigh on impossible to keep up with. And um, you know we we berate and, and give Dortmund a bit of stick here and there, don't we, on on the show, particularly defensive wise. But the fact that they're only six points behind, and I know six points is a half decent amount points you know they're doing okay but you know we'll talk about Dortmund in a little bit um but yeah Bayern looking imperious it looked like a tricky game didn't it really and they dealt with it incredibly smartly um of course we've got the Pokal midweek but Bayern won't be involved so they'll be resting up getting players back from Covid getting players back fitter um I haven't actually looked ahead at the fixtures yet so I'm not sure who they're playing this weekend coming but you know whoever it is this weekend they got Herta Berlin away from uh, well, yeah. So, yeah, it will be hard, you know, hard graph for Herta, I'm sure, because you know, Bayern have done as they always do and bounced back impressively. Um, so yeah, very good win for them, yeah, absolutely couldn't agree more. So, yeah, yeah, just before we go on to the second game, yeah, we need to cover something else, Rory. Yeah, we do, yeah, uh, which was introduced uh for the first time last week, uh, so it. Thought we just kind of break up our featured four every, you know, um, every week to kind of go from the more serious and analytical stuff to something a bit more fun. So last week we introduced our first ever uh, Bundesliga glossary part of the show. So uh, we're just having a bit of fun with it and kind of picking out um, some Bundesliga terminology and phrases that are often used uh, by our counterparts in the league uh, and kind of just throwing them over to you, letting you kind of learn them if you want to use them with your friends or your family, impress people, or if you just want to learn a few phrases. Um, it's all a bit of fun, and let us know if you enjoy them. We had our first one last week, which, of course, was the letter A. Um, so we're now moving on to the letter B, and our phrase for this week is going to be Bananen Flanke, uh, or Flanke. Uh, which is probably a bit better pronunciation. So <laughs> that, that is um, basically, it's a really nice word, actually. I like this one. Uh, and it, it may, means effectively like kind of a, a curling, outswinging or inswinging cross or effectively a banana ball. So, Mark, you know, you'll have more, of course, more knowledge of this. So that, again, is like the first week is very literal translation, basically, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Again, it's another one of those as kind of two words as put together to make one word, you know. So again, bananan, which again is like basically the same as the English banana, you know, it just means like the plural for bananas, so like bananas is more like really. And then flanker is like the word for like a cross, you know, 
It's, uh, I, I guess it comes from the word. That's probably why in English we call the word a uh, flank. You know, sometimes we call the yeah. side the flank. Yeah, flanks, yeah, yeah. You've got to remember there are a lot of similarities between German and English as well, because like English comes from like it's heavily influenced by German as well. So that's yeah. why, like, if you if any of you guys learn German or know any German, you'll know there's kind of a lot of similar words, really. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, it literally means like banana cross, basically. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. Which is, yeah, a commonly used phrase, you know, for that kind of like, if, if you listen to any games like in German, which is quite a good experience, by the way, for any of you guys interested in that. But yeah, mm-hmm. you will hear these kind of terms used a lot on the, the German commentary. So yeah, good one. Good stuff. Well, I, I mean, I'd say in the very short time of doing this, um, that's definitely my favourite of the two so far. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit easier to pronounce as well. So yeah. obviously let us know as, as time goes on when we do these, what, mm-hmm. what your favourite one is, which one you might hear more often if you do hear it or what one you've maybe been able to drop into conversation here and there. So yes, our Bundesliga glossary letter B this week is Bananen Flanke. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Enjoyed enjoyed learning about that. Um, as I eventually try and find some time to to learn or start le- learning German, I'll hopefully um, start to learn a little bit more about the phrases as well. So um, I was our first uh, or our second one uh, done and dusted. So back over to you, Mark. Let's finish the countdown. Yeah, who knows, Rory, in a year or two, we might be able to do the show in uh, half in German as well. Half who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Yeah. Provide live translations. Or <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah, moving on with our featured four, yeah. I mean, it, this was one that, who would have thought that this one could have made the uh, the featured four, really, you know, but that is what the Bundesliga is all about, really, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, I always say to you, Rory, like, we often talk about the, the weekend's proceeding, I always say you can't watch a bad game in the Bundesliga, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this was a classic example. I mean, Bielefeld went into the game in 17th place, although obviously they had taken seven points from the previous three before mm-hmm. kickoff and thirds were rock bottom, you know, although again, they'd only lost one in four before this game, which is now one in five. So fair play to them, you know. Yeah. Admittedly, three of those games have been draws, but, you know, they deserve a lot of credit really for like turning the season round. And mm-hmm. even though they're going to get relegated, they know that. But, I mean, they've made it respectable and they've earned the respect of the Bundesliga and the pundits alike, really, in the last five or six games, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, moving on to the analysis. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing in terms of the uh, starting lineup was the fact that Yanni Serra, again, after coming in for the last two games, was once again booted onto the sideline, wasn't he? He just, he, he just doesn't seem to be liked at all in that yeah. team, does he? Because I always think he looks okay. I mean, he doesn't get bags of goals, but he causes problems for me. Yeah. You know, whenever I see them, but he was actually dropped for Lasma as well. I, I mm-hmm. guess because he got the equaliser last week against um, Freiburg, but it still surprised me a little bit to be honest to see him line up ahead of um, uh, good old Yanni Serra, R- Rory's favourite. <laughs> <And also the laughs> we've not been seeing Robin Hack at all as well. Like, what's happened yeah. to him? Nuremberg's finest, you know, the darling of Nuremberg can't get a game <laughs> for Bielefeld. Yeah, I think Nuremberg need to call the manager up and. See if he's available for a transfer, yeah. to be honest, because he's a cracking player, really. He's such a good player. Like, mm-hmm. I watched him a lot of times for Nuremberg, and he was, like, outstanding for them. I thought he'd do a lot more for Bielefeld, but, yeah, can't get on the team at the minute. Anyway, the game started well from, yeah, that man Kruger, who's been really impressive recently. He played a really, really nice ball. 
And then it was that man, Okugawa, wasn't it? A player that I'm really impressed with, to be honest. This was a beautiful finish, you know, because mm -hmm. the keeper looked favourite all the way and what he kind of side-footed it, but got that kind of like side on it, didn't he? You know, and it, it looked like it was going wide, but the defenders and the keeper, it kind of went in between them and nestled in the back of the net. Only about 10 minutes on the clock at that point, it was already 1-0. So you're thinking, you know, long afternoon for Furt, Bielefeld are going to cruise to this. They had another couple of chances as well, again, through Kruger, forced a good save. Mm -hmm. But then straight after that save from uh, from Kurpf, I think it was, yeah, he forced a good save from the keeper and then straight on the rebound. On the on around the halfway line, Leveling gets the ball. Probably the one player for further, you think, you know, he's a real quality forward. Hmm. And he holds up the defender really, really well, actually. And then he managed to kind of smash a shot past that Ortega. And it's already one all, really, from the first shot that Furter had, to be honest, in the game for around 35 minutes. So after Bielefeld pretty much dominating the half, really, dominating the game, they go in at one all, don't they, Rory? And then Obviously, the second half is more carnage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I think we had some technical difficulties there for, for the first time ever, really. Um, but we're back. Um, yeah, second half of the game was uh, also very kind of evenly poised. I think first came out and looked uh, the most lightly for, for a little while until they did um, kind of... Uh, there was a few good chances here and there. I think um, Tillman uh, tested uh, Ortega um from a free kick uh and then super sub nielsen comes on for Furt, and then after being on the pitch for 30 seconds um got his head onto a, a sagan uh cross and it it obviously kind of deflected off bruner and, and went in to give the bottom club um a surprise lead at 2-1 um they, i think they gave the goal to nielsen because the his header probably was just about going in um and that was, what, with 15 minutes to go? So you're thinking, wow, like, could be a huge result for Furt. Maybe it will give them some belief. Who knows, you know, for a miracle escape. And it was also looking good for my boy Stuttgart because I really needed Bielefeld to lose that game in terms <laughs> of the positioning in the league. And then, you know, kind of talking of um, Stuttgart, former favourites of mine and even yours, Mark. Yeah. The, man that they've, uh, the man that they had to let go, probably because of, uh, I think, because of wage demand, um, who's recently signed for Bielefeld, is Gonzalo Castro, the Bundesliga veteran. Um, ball came out to him on the edge of the area, on the half volley, and he hits it clean. Uh, amazingly quality technique, ball goes flying, um nestles in you know in the top corner ish not quite fully top corner but great strike beat the keeper to make it two two um and obviously not and either team were able to go on and win it but still an important point for Bielefeld I think you know Furt have you know picked up two draws in a row against teams around them which shows that you know, they're not massively far off. Of course, they can't compete with the same level of quality that the Dortmunds and, and the Bayerns have. But they've shown that, you know, we're not just, you know, cannon fodder here. We know we're still here to play games. And both Bielefeld and Stuttgart would have been targeting these games saying, you know, we have to win this. And both of them have drawn. Um, so interesting stuff. I think Bielefeld overall be very frustrated especially taking an early lead you would have thought like would have given them a lot of confidence to go on and kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck but first you know they were really good actually i thought and i'm fully deserving of a 
you know, yet another Bundesliga point um, to kind of push them further up the board in terms of their points, not quite in terms of positionally. Um, but yeah, very entertaining game. Um, not something you might have expected between 17th and 18th place. But that, again, like you says, why we enjoy and love the Bundesliga so much because it's so unpredictable. Teams just, you know, for, you know, to an extent, have kind of put away the all-out attack and this kind of carnage football, uh, which they started off um, the, the season with and have now made themselves a lot more rigid to a certain degree and a lot harder to beat and certainly harder to score against anyway so that now they're in games and two goals can actually get them a point whereas you know they're losing 6-3 and 5-2 or whatever it was and you know two goals in theory should be at least enough in most games to get you a point or better so you know they're they're now back in game so hopefully we see um this improvement from first continue uh for the rest of the season Bielefeld uh, yeah, they're looking like they're well in a chance of escaping relegation, whether that's via a playoff place or completely. Yeah, obviously, for they've still not beaten that record low number of points, but I think, to be honest, they are looking like they'll probably manage to do that now, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they have been good the last few weeks. Admittedly, the, most of the fixtures have been against lower teams. I mean, they have played in the last three games, uh, Augsburg, Stuttgart and Bielefeld, who are the bottom three teams below them. So I guess you've got to bear it in like I put it into some kind of, um, you know, um, Context, yeah. it's not the most uh, perfect run in the world because obviously they could have won a couple of those games. But yeah, for me, for me, it's more frustration from Bielefeld really because I do, I look at their squad and I think they shouldn't be in the bottom three. I, I'm really starting to think it's a very good squad. I mean, we know, we all know about Ortega, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I think the the, the, the defence is relatively solid with the likes of Lawson and Pieper. I think they're, they're not the best, the most technical, but, you know, the solid Bundesliga defenders. And I just think they've got a lot of options through the midfield and the front. You know, I, I really, really like Wimmer and uh, Okugawa. I think those two could play at a higher level in the Bundesliga for me. They could, the, For me, they're both mid-table level players, really, you know. And then I think also even through the front, you know, I mean, Castro is a great signing, really. I mean... Yep. Stuttgart must be thinking, why did we let him go? I mean, I don't know the details, whether it could be that he just couldn't agree a contract. I don't know, but I mean, they've missed him a lot. And not only does he provide quality, he is like 34, 35 now, let's be honest. But he's a player that's played at the highest level in the Bundesliga, you know, for Leverkusen, for Dortmund. And he, he really is a good player. And we saw that with the equaliser, didn't we? What a strike that was. But... Yeah, I mean, for Bielefeld, for me, it's just about Frank Kramer, the manager, just kind of finding a starting lineup that he can stick with. Because, as I say, I think he's almost got too many options, really. Like, like so Robin Hat can't get a game because Vim has been so good, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just got to find a team, you know. Because, for me, this is a side that shouldn't be going down. The, the work they've done in the transfer market over the last six months has been very, very good, really. Yeah. Very, very good. And I think they've got a solid side now and they should be able to stay up. But it's... Just about trying to find win games more often, you know, and just try and um, like solidify themselves as a Bundesliga side. But yeah, I think things are looking good. Four games unbeaten for them, and I think they should be able to secure the status uh, for the Bundesliga for another year. For me, anyway. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's go on to the the game of the weekend. And yeah, it was a game of the weekend, unless you're a Freiburg fan, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, this was, I actually thought this was a really, really good Dortmund performance. You know, I mean, there was a bit of pressure on them coming into the Friday night game. 
everyone knew they had to get the win, you know, to put the pressure on Bayern. And yeah, come 11 o'clock so, um, Friday evening, they did manage to cut the gap to three points, didn't they? So they did the job. I mean, the first, we, we've got to be honest, I mean, Freiburg were heavily depleted in this game, you know, especially in the back line. I mean, Upstoff started ahead of Flecken, and we know that Flecken's so important to Freiburg in net. One of the best keepers this season in the Bundesliga, and he's been missing for the last two games. And yeah. unironically, they've conceded seven goals in these two of those two games as well. Obviously, the the captain, their leader, their best player for me, Schlotterbeck, was also missing as well. Yeah, I think what what was the problem with him? Was it was it COVID or a knock before the game? But it, anyway, he was missing. He was missing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think, it, um, yeah, the guy who came in to replace him wasn't anywhere near the same level. But, yeah, I mean, the first two goals were just like carbon copy headers from Mounier, from, both from brand corners from different sides, basically, weren't they? Yeah. It's very unlike Freiburg for me to concede two goals from headers off corners. I think, to be fair to Dortmund, they had started the game well and they created a few half chances before those two headers. But still, I mean, you shouldn't be conceding uh, two goals from headers from the same player as well. But I mean, they were Thomas Mounier's uh, first two goals of the season, so fair play to him. You could tell it meant a lot, you know, because he's not always got on that well with the Dortmund fans since signing 18 months yeah. ago, has he? But for me, he has improved this season. He's been a lot better overall this season, and he deserves those two goals for his efforts in recent weeks. And yeah, it looks as though Freiburg are going to get away with a 2 0 at half time. They've not really created much, you know. John got a couple of half chances, I guess, but they, they struggled to get going, really, for me, Freiburg in this game. And then right on the stroke of half time, it was that man, Haaland, wasn't it? And um, yeah, he obviously uh, finished the game basically by uh, putting the ball pass up stuff for 3 0 right on the stroke of half time. And yeah, obviously, by that point, it was game over. and uh, Freiburg were just playing for pride in the second half, weren't they, Rory, really? Yeah, bit, yeah, big moment in the game was making it. It was whether Freiburg could make it into half-time at 2-0 or, or whether Dortmund could press press for another one, which they did. Um, obviously, very good finish for Haaland um, after Belling, after good work from um, Bellingham in midfield to um, set up his partner in crime or his good pal. Um, but yeah, then we kind of saw, uh, a, you know, a, a half come back on the cards when, um, you know, some good work by Roland Salai, um obviously led to a shot from himself, which was parried by Kobel, um, right, well, kind of basically onto the penalty spot or really close in, um, to which Demirovic substitute was able to kind of just about get his foot onto and, and make it 3-1. So you're thinking, you know, can, can we see something here with half an hour to go? We know that, Teams can score goals against Dortmund. Certainly, we've seen that loads of times. Um, so, might have been a few nerves here and there uh, along the Dortmund fans, but that was eventually laid to rest after um, some really good work by Dahoud, actually, um, to set up Haaland. And he made no mistake putting it through the legs of Uphoff uh, to make it 4 1. And yeah, of course, then it was game over. Um, and Dahoud himself was able to, to add. Um, Second goal in two games. Nice finish, actually, in the box where after Nico Schultz had set him up inside the area for 5-1. So, yeah, really impressive performance by Dortmund. Um, you know, doing all they could to keep pace with Bayern, as I mentioned. Got it down to three points for uh, 24 hours or less. Um, uh, you know, that, that's all they can do uh, right now is just keep on 
grinding out results. Uh, if they can play as well as they did in this game, then fantastic. Then that, that will give them real confidence because I thought that, yeah, as you mentioned, it was a really good performance by Dortmund. Made the most of a surprisingly kind of weakened Freiburg team in terms of that, regardless of who's in net or who's in defence, you, you always kind of expect that level of toughness with Freiburg for them to do the basics right, which is, you know, defending set pieces better than they did and Munier getting on the end of a, a front post corner for the first one and then the second one was a bit further deeper into the box at the back stick, more or less. Um, apparently, Munier used to be a striker back in the day or when he was a really? youngster, so maybe his finishing uh, came from that. So there's a couple of good headers in fairness to him. But yeah, that was quite un Freiburg like I would say. And a couple of losses in a row now for Freiburg. Um, you know, will that affect their confidence? I think they've actually got my boys next. So is that an opportunity for Stuttgart to, you know, they're playing all right, Stuttgart. I know we keep on saying that, but um that'll be an interesting game to see if Freiburg can bounce back. They will be at home though, so you know, they'll probably target and probably put a few goals past my boys, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Dortmund looked very good, I'd say. Um, that will give them a lot of confidence going forward. So, very entertaining game, uh, for a Friday night. The Friday night game always seems to produce good, um, good games and lots of goals. So, it was a really good start to the weekend and ends up being the game of the weekend. Yeah, I've got to say also a credit to Kevin Shard who came on at half time for Freiburg. I mean, they, they were pretty much schooled in the first half, but I thought Shard made a really, really good uh, impact in that second half. And he was probably, yeah. I mean, obviously he wasn't involved directly in the goal, but, you know, he caused a, they did have a couple of half chances at 3 yeah. 1 as well. You know, I think Shard yeah. forced a good save from. Uh, Cobell as well and they, yeah. again Dortmund similar to Leverkusen in some ways but maybe not quite so extreme you know the game management just isn't there at times is it you know and at 3-0 up and after a really really good first half you know you're just thinking go and put I mean obviously they did get five in the end but there was a period probably between you know 46 and 70 minutes when you did worry for them a little bit you know what I mean because if Freiburg could have got that second which they did have a couple of half chances, you know, and uh, then it could have been a long last 20 minutes for Dortmund, you know. But, I mean, we love, the, again, just like Leverkusen we mentioned earlier, they're a great team to watch. Like you, The games are just like must-watch, basically. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's some teams in the Bundesliga where you just can't not watch the games, basically. They're so entertaining. You can more or less guarantee entertainment if you watch, you know, the likes of uh, Dortmund, Leipzig, uh, Leverkusen, Bayern, obviously, you know, you even some of the lower teams, you know, the likes of Stuttgart, maybe not so much this season, but of last season. Yeah, you know, so many Mainz are entertaining, Cologne are entertaining. There's so many great teams to watch in this league, you know, and it's what makes it my favorite league, personally. Anyway, so yeah, I guess that's the end of our featured four. So yeah, we have to move on to the the talking points. So I'll let Rory introduce it this week. Sure thing, yeah. So, uh, of course, our, our Bundesliga boxes talking point of the week, uh, obviously, where we take a bit of time uh, to talk about a theme, uh, a trending topic, or whatever. And to be fair, the last few last few weeks or even months, a lot of our focus has been on teams rather than individuals or head coaches. I think we did one on um, the sacking um, of Van Bommel at one point, perhaps. Um, so this time uh, we're going to talk about something that's been in the news and was was news on Friday night uh, with regards to Erling Haaland. And of course, he gave a bit of a 
strange post-match interview. Um, so we're kind of going to be asking the question whether Harland will kind of force Dortmund's hand in order to push for a summer move um, and kind of look at some of the ins and outs of it uh, and as to whether it will, you know, and what it will affect basically. Because if you didn't see the interview, basically Harland said that, um, you know, the, the club, obviously Borussia Dortmund, had been pushing or pressing him to make a decision um, with regards to his future and in, indeed his contract, uh, whether he will extend or not. And he's just saying that, I just want to play football. I'm a simple person. I just want to play football. Um, so, and yeah, it's kind of met with a lot of different uh, re- reactions and, and mixture of responses in the media and by fans alike, I think. Um, there was a lot of upset people. Um uh, which you know kind of came across obviously with a negative impact from from Harland with regards to his relationship with fans in the club. I'll just throw it over to you, Mark. First and foremost, what what do you reckon to the interview itself? Do you think people have gone a bit over the top and uh, and maybe just kind of blown out of proportion, or do you think this is all now going to lead to something that we're going to see some big news about his future in the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think the first point we've got to remember, we've got to remember some of the background of it. The the interview was in Norwegian, first of all, you know, so, I mean, it was his native language. I think the reporter was from Norway who gave it, and then the translation was, like, in English, you know. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so that's the first point, you know, we don't know whether, I mean, I don't speak Norwegian. I would imagine most of the people that watch the show don't, so we don't know, like, whether the translation was that accurate, you know, first of all, yeah. Yeah, and then the second thing we've got to remember, yeah, he has a history of these kind of interviews, doesn't he? I mean, I was just telling Rory before, I was, I'm was. i interested to watch some players' interviews just to see how they come across on camera, you know, and I, I searched on YouTube for a few of his early days interviews from his days back in Salzburg, you know, mm-hmm. you know and borderline childish player, really, do you know what I mean? And But what we've got to remember again, on top of that, he is still, I'm not going to say he's a child at 20 years old, but he's still a very young man who's learning. Yeah. He's not, he's probably a bit raw. He, he's, he's, uh, you know, his ascension to the top of the sport was very, very fast as well. You know, he was a young guy at Molder in Norway, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's former club, actually. And then he kind of, you know, he got that move to Salzburg and he was only there about six months to a year and then he had the, already had the big money move to yeah. Dortmund. So, I mean, the guy came from nowhere, really, to become one of the biggest uh, players in the world. So, mm-hmm. let's be honest, like, he was obviously annoyed about something. For me, it could have been his recent form, actually, because before this game, he'd not been that good for a few weeks, actually, yeah. I'd say, you know, and he looked a bit frustrated at times against Frankfurt last week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's obviously a bit cheesed off about something. He's probably a bit cheesed off about the fact that the team aren't closer to Bayern, you know. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned that the, but six points is still going to be hard for them to overturn that, you know. It was probably promised that they were going to make a real strong title bid this year, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it could be partly to do with that. But my, my honest opinion is that, yeah, it's been blown over out of proportion a little bit overall. Yeah. You know, that's my overall conclusion. I don't think he, he didn't necessarily slay the club. He said, according to the translation, he said something like, you know, he's been keeping quiet for the last six months, but the mm-hmm. club is forcing his hand. But again, I'm not forcing his hand is maybe not the right way it was phrased. Uh, you know, yeah. I think you'd have to yeah. ask like someone who knows Norwegian well to like fully translate that because I know that often these kind of things do get lost in translation a little bit at times. Yeah, of course. Um, but so obviously we've kind of spoken a little bit about what it means to, to Haaland and from his point of view. So 
Let, let's throw it back over to the Dortmund side of things. I think from their point of view, they're well entitled to be asking the question of Haaland. He's obviously a generational talent. He will be one of the, he already is probably one of the best players in the world. Um, you know, he's a, a rare player to come along and they've obviously got this talent. Um, I think he's on, in contract until 2024, the summer yeah. of. Uh, and of course they have this release clause, um, which is what, 75 mm. million euros roundabout, um, which can be activated this summer, I believe. And uh, obviously the the whole reason as to why they're asking the question is because they obviously want him to extend his stay with the club and, and obviously help him help them to achieve their goals, win titles, win win the Bundesliga for the first time in a long time. And as a result of doing that, if they can extend his contract, not only do they get him for longer, they increase his value as a player. Um, obviously, they, they, they can get more money for him when he eventually goes, because of course he will. Uh, and then they can also maybe insert a higher release clause, because let's be honest, in in the kind of saturated transfer market that we live in, 75 million euros, aka 68, 65 million pounds, is an absolute bargain for Erling Haaland because he is 20 years old, as you say, not even close to the peak of his powers. Um, You know, we've seen a lot of transfers go by in in this day and age. If if Harry Maguire is worth 80 million, um, (laughs) I dread to think how much Haaland really is worth. So do, do you kind of get it from Dortmund's point of view, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they're perfectly within the right. Yeah, because obviously everyone's talking about it. I mean, probably him and Mbappe are probably the most sought after commodities in the whole of the footballing world this summer. You know, like yeah. I think all of the big clubs are just like lining up for him. Man City, possibly United, Chelsea probably will be in there, Real, Barca, PSG. Uh, Juventus, they, they all want a bit of him, don't they? You know, it's yeah. like, uh, and I think obviously from Dortmund's perspective, they want to know where they stand, you know, because sure. I think the ideal for them is that they probably want him to sign a contract but still leave potentially, you know, because they realize that, you know, as, as you just said, I mean, 75 million euros is practically free for a player like him, you know. I think his market worth is probably double, at least mm-hmm. double. That you know, I'm probably close. I mean, Neymar, what did PSG pay 200 million euros for him? Then, yeah, for me, he's worth more than a player like Neymar, you know, even in the long run because he's younger, he's you know, he's probably better built and things like that, you know. And I think, uh, yeah, he's probably worth even for a Bundesliga standard at least 150 million euros. So, probably, I would imagine from their perspective, if I were them anyway, I'd ask him to sign a contract but still say we'll let you go for 150 million or something, you know. Mm -hmm. And for me, I don't doubt that anyone who can afford that would pay it basically. I don't doubt it. And I think probably from their perspective, that could be what they're thinking, you know, they're thinking. We're, getting, we're going to get scammed here if he leaves for 75 mil, you know. So perhaps you just want to... It's happened many times in football before. I think a lot of smaller teams do it, don't they? In the Premier League, for example, they ask a player to sign a contract so they can get more money from the, the big clubs. And it makes sense, really, ultimately, you know. And I think... I think Dortmund probably accept, you know, while they will want to keep him, of course, they know that they've not got the wage uh, structure to to offer him what most of the other clubs are even close to what they can offer him. So I think they will accept that he's going to leave. But I would imagine from their perspective that they might say, you know, sign a contract for another four years and then we can get double and we're all happy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Right. Well, a quick question to finish this kind of 
talking point of the week then. So as you mentioned, maybe they'll kind of give him an ultimatum or kind of say, you know, if if you do X, Y and Z, we'll, you know, we'll let you go the summer anyway. But obviously they want to, they still want to get the best out of him for the last six months or whatever, because, you know, they've got, you know, they're still in the chance of the, for the title race. They're in the Pokal still, which they won last year. They're in the Europa League in a strong Bundesliga kind of category, but, you know, winning that trophy would be really good as well. So they don't want this to become a saga and it's a run and run and run and it to then affect his form or, of course, then affect the team's form and then they can drop out of the title race very quickly. They could get knocked out of the Pokal this week. Of course, they're playing. Um, so things could go badly for Dortmund in a number of ways that quickly. So... Do you think very quickly, Mark, that they're best off accepting he will go in the summer and say, you know, just give us six months of your absolute best and you you can maybe win us three trophies or two trophies? I I don't know whether it's as simple as that. Yeah, I wish it was so simple because, but I think obviously financially, they they probably think they can get double the value from him, you know, and obviously that's massive. First of all, for their transfer budget ahead of next year, which they've got to be thinking about, you know, yeah. and also about the, because you've got to remember a lot of clubs in Germany, they're not as rich as clubs because obviously we've talked about it before. The 50 plus one rule means that like 51% of the club has to be owned by you know, the fans and members. Yeah. So like a, a perspective owner can only put like 49% in and everything has to be passed by, by the fans, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say, yes, from a footballing perspective, from our point of view, that's what we'd love to see, you know, but I, in my opinion, the best scenario for Dortmund would be, you know, if they can get him to sign a new contract and they can get double, potentially even more than double that 75 million. And yeah, if they can win a trophy on top of that, even better. But I guess from the businessmen's perspective, we're probably the ones that are pushing him. They're thinking probably more about the money at the moment. Sure thing, good stuff. Well, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how things develop with Haaland and with Dortmund over the next few weeks, particularly. Maybe it'll quieten down and, and maybe he will sign a new contract. So let's hope so, because, of course, we love Haaland. He is a generational talent and we love the Bundesliga. So the two of them together for another season or more would be perfect. Um, but anyway, that brings a close to this week's Bundesliga boxes. Talking point of the week. So, Mark, over to you to close up this week's show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you enjoyed what you saw today on our Bundesliga review show, remember to uh, like, comment and subscribe below. We are slowly, we've had another good week in the last week with, with regard to subscribers. We're getting more and more. But we want to try and get to 500 within the next month or two. So, yeah, any viewers that are watching, you know, just try to subscribe. And the benefits for you guys are that you'll get to see whenever our shows are going out live. So, like, yeah. obviously... In, at times in the past when I followed a YouTube channels, you know, I've, I've seen one, forgot to subscribe, and then basically it's been lost. And I've been thinking, what was it called, that one, before, you know? The best thing to do is just subscribe, and basically you can remember us forever, you know? We're not going anywhere. So, yeah, you can get uh, live reminders of, like, every show we're doing. Also for the League 1 and League 2 shows as well, remember, here on OTB, we're not only a Bundesliga channel, we're also uh, cover lower league English football as well and potentially some more. So we've got other things planned regard to European football as well. So we're, we're going to keep expanding and the more subs we get, the more stuff we'll be able to create. It's as simple as that. really. 
so yeah and if you enjoy uh also yeah check out our twitter at over the bar fb and at over the bar extra so yeah we, we also do written journalism as well um i'm not going to come over to you rory this time because i've done it about the last five shows now yeah but yeah rory also does writing yeah i used to do writing but unfortunately time permitted i don't do as many written articles now but something i'd like to get back into in the future and yeah, obviously our main site is otbfootball.net. Um, yeah, so check that out for like the main page and links to just about everything that we do here. So yeah, thanks again for joining us, guys. Yeah, and uh, leave your comments below, of course. Yeah, we always like to hear what you guys think about our opinions and give your own opinions as well. And yeah, we'll see you again on Thursday for our preview of week 20. So yeah, see you then, guys. Cheers, I'll see you then.